mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am your host and moderator, Sean, and as always, my partner in crime, Sean P. Say what's up, Sean. What's going on, guys? So, as you may or may not have heard, um, and I say that meaning that you probably have not heard only if you've been living under a rock for the last week and a half, the latest iPhone, the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 7 Plus have been announced and will be shipping on the 16th, or at least arriving in some folks' hands on the 16th. So we're here as always to discuss the announcement, discuss the uh, latest iPhone's features, and talk about what we like, what we don't like, and go from there. So without further ado, um, let's talk. Sean, tell me a little bit about what some of the new features in the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus are. So right off the bat, I have to give the rumor mill a lot of credit They basically nailed most of the changes this year. There weren't a whole lot of surprises. Most of the things that we thought were coming actually showed up. So as far as uh, that's concerned, this year was better than most years. So here's what we have. We have a design that's very similar to the 6 and 6S. They move the antenna lines effectively to the top and bottom of the phone. Um, We have two new colors. We have a black color, it's kind of a matte black, and then we have a jet black, which is a new manufacturing process. It's just really, it looks almost like a piano black, glossy. Um, we have a static home button. So the clickable button that's been in every single iPhone no longer exists. It's basically a capacitive button now, and it has taptic feedback. So this is similar to what they have in the watches, the Apple Watch. It, it kind of gives you, a, for lack of a better word, kind of a vibration when you push the button to make it feel like you're, you're getting some feedback from it, even though there's not an actual button there. We have the first water-resistant iPhone, IP67. Huzzah! Yeah, so dust and water-resistant. It's kind of nice. Uh, They did indeed get rid of the headphone jack, and we'll talk about this. This is probably one of the things that... It's funny, like, reading all of the uh, articles afterwards, this is definitely what people were up in arms about, and a lot of the headlines for the phone announcement were that they got rid of the headphone jack, not a lot of the new features, which I found interesting. Um, We still have 12 megapixel cameras, so the normal 7 has a 12 megapixel camera, but it has a new 1.8 um, aperture, and it also has uh, optical image stabilization. And then the 7S didn't indeed get the dual cameras, so it has the standard 12 megapixel camera and a secondary 12 megapixel 56 millimeter telephoto lens um, that has built-in zoom features and whatnot. And this is similar to what we've seen in the LG G5 earlier this year, uh, the Huawei P9 with you know dual cameras that do, do different things. So Apple's jumped on that. We have a new front-facing camera, so they upgraded that to 7 megapixels for better selfies, I suppose. Um, Stereo speakers, which this was actually kind of a surprise. That was not one of the things we saw in the rumors. The stereo speakers work the same as the HTC 10, so it has a bottom-firing speaker, and then it uses the earpiece on the front for a secondary speaker, but it it is stereo. Um, And then we have the A10 Fusion chip, which is their new um, CPU. And this is this was kind of interesting too. It's not a it is a continuation of the A9, but it's a little bit different architecturally. It's actually a quad core processor, so this is kind of like a big little setup that we've been seeing in Android phones for a long time. It has two very large cores, and then two smaller cores. 
We don't really know a whole lot about the architecture yet. We think the smaller cores are maybe some kind of A53 variant, but since Apple does custom everything, we don't really know yet. Um, so we'll get more information on that, I'm assuming, once it gets released. It looks like on that processor too, basically it switches between, it can use either the two big cores or the two smaller cores at the same time, but they don't work together. So it's never using all four cores at the same time. And the biggest thing about this, I mean, from a raw power standpoint, it's a nice improvement, but I think the main takeaway for most consumers is better battery life. Uh, Apple's quoting quite a bit better battery life than last year, like an extra two hours um, in normal use, which is, which is pretty huge because the batteries basically have the same capacity. Uh, and they finally, finally, and we were going to make ruthless fun of them if they didn't do this, they finally made the base storage 32 gigabytes, um, and then the, the tiers now are uh, 128 gigabytes and 256 gigabytes above that. So that's way past due. Um, so it was nice to see them finally do it. 16 gigabytes was something that should have died back in like 2013 or 14, but they were still doing it even last year. Um, I think that's the main list of upgrades. That's kind of the stuff that they upgraded. So, given all of that, what do you think? Um, this is uh, this is a hard thing for me. Um, I'm I'm trying very hard to look objectively at the um, at all of the things that were announced, and so I, I want to be able to say that I, I dislike. Uh, everything. The the initial stuff that hits me right off the top of my head are um, are the the home button becoming a uh, taptic feedback sensor. Um, this is really really kind of neat technology. Um, we edit and publish on a MacBook Pro, which has the same feature in its trackpad. It makes a lot of things easier when you don't have that physical home button. So you can do things like add waterproofing and dustproofing to the phone when you have less moving parts running around and when you can use the type of technology that has to make that thing work effectively. And for anybody who's actually used a MacBook Pro, which has this uh, special trackpad, you would not be able to tell that you are not actually clicking a physical button and that you're actually being fooled by this haptic engine that Apple's using. Uh, it's really neat technology. That plays right into what I've already mentioned, which is the IP67 water and dust resistance rating, um, much like the elimination of the 16 gig base storage option, um, which definitely needed to die a painful death. Um, that, that's really probably, from a consumer standpoint, um, one of the things that's been a big outcry. Um, Samsung has had uh, water resistance and dust resistance in their phones since the Galaxy S5, if I remember correctly. And then it kind of went away for the S6, and then it came back for the S7, which is a great, great uh, thing to have from a consumer standpoint. Most of us are going to put phones in cases anyways, but knowing that your phone can take the accidental splash in the bathtub or the toilet, God forbid, uh, and not you know go the way of the dodo is really, really a good thing. Um, those are the things that struck me right off the cuff. The uh, the change in storage seems a little odd. The biggest jump from 32 to 128 um, is a little strange. It seems a little bit like Apple's, um, you know, trying to trying to gouge you for that. But you know what else is new? Um, the biggest thing that really, as you mentioned, people were kind of up in arms about was the removal of the headphone jack, the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, and. Um, I thought during the announcement that Apple's use of the term courage 
to move forward without this was a little bit of hyperbole. Um, I'll be honest with you. Everything that I read about the announcement was that it was, a, I think the right word is Travis Sham mockery. Uh, I saw a little bit of the end where Sia was on stage. And let's just say if you got to talk about uh, courage during a, a phone launch, you're probably not doing it right. Now, the phone itself... Um, Admittedly, although in most ways virtually identical to the 6S and the 6S Plus, um, the movement of the antenna lines is neat. Um, as long as it has some kind of practical purpose, that's fantastic. Uh, the black and the jet black colors are pretty cool. Um, the regular black uh, is kind of stealth looking, and that's pretty slick. Uh, the jet black seems like it's really, really cool, but that high gloss finish is also subject to scratching very easily. And this is information that's actually already been published and made available on Apple's website. Their solution for you, by the way, is to slap it in a case because you're holding it wrong or you're scratching it wrong, or whatever. Sorry, your Apple hate boner showing. <laughs> I had a feeling that it might, even though I'm you're sitting behind. Back in your pants. <laughs> I'm sitting behind a giant desk. Um, the 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 announcement was stupid and a sham, and is is basically everything that we hate about Apple. Their product, less so. Um, I, I was actually really surprised, pleasantly so, that the rumors aligned with uh, what was actually launched. Uh, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into the headphone jack and the wireless uh, headphones that were announced a little bit later on, but what were your thoughts about the uh, iPhone 7 and 7 Plus? So we're going we're gonna to diverge a little bit on our opinions here. I was actually expecting to go into this and be relatively let down or just not impressed, really. I kind of felt like this was the off year. Next year, they're making a huge switch. Uh, the design of the phone's changing. They're going to do the OLED screen. It's the 10th anniversary, and it was like they were going to go all out. So this year, to me, felt like a holdover year. And going into the announcement, that's kind of what I was expecting. But I have to admit, I'm actually impressed with most of what I saw. I came away as a whole being more impressed than I expected to be. And I think I think in a lot of ways they caught up. Um, like the the water resistance is a big deal. That's really like a nice feature that I, I think a lot of people. I don't know if people were clamoring for it, but it's one of those things where when you have it, that's great. Um, I think that the you know the changes they made the stereo speakers is kind of a nice little throw in, and, and you know that can the design changes are nice. But to me, the iPhone is always about more the sum of its parts for an iPhone. It, it's like one of those things where if you look at it by spec by spec, it may not always look on paper like it's the best. But I feel like Apple moved forward the things that you would want to move forward in a smartphone, the things that matter to consumers. And to me, the things that matter most to consumers are uh, battery life, um, a really good camera that you can just pop out and take pictures with. And, and so I think those two things are probably the biggest thing for most consumers. And so they made big strides in both of those areas, right? The camera, which was already, I would say it was no longer class leading. I think the Samsung cameras by and large were better and you can make a case that the LG G5 was there too. But I think they moved themselves back into, you know, top of the class type territory. I want to see a few more reviews first, but it seems like the changes they made to the camera are exactly what you would want. Um, you know, better low light and, and some of the other changes that they made. And then Apple always gives you the best processors, uh, and the A10 is no exception. It looks on paper like it basically destroys everything else. Um, there was a leaked benchmark 
showing uh, this is Geekbench 4 which just came out and this measures CPU performance and so there's a single core score and there's a multi core score and the iPhone the iPhone 7 with the A10 puts up a single core score of about 3300 and a multi core score of about 5500 for some context the quad core Snapdragon 820 Puts up a single core score, I believe, more in like the 1500-ish range, and a multi-core score of like 3500. So, what that means is one core of the A10 can almost outperform all of the CPU cores of the Snapdragon 820. And then, you know, even the Samsung Exynos 8890, which is kind of like a, it's an eight-core processor, right? So it has four custom M1 cores, and then it has four A53 low-power cores, if you will. Still, from a you know, if you if you fire up all the cores, it's multi-core scores like 5,500, and Apple's getting that with two cores on the A10. So from that standpoint, Apple was already ahead, and this looks like it's moved them further ahead. So I think from a performance standpoint, this phone's going to be incredibly fast, and I think that because of the new architecture of the chip, which is this big little 2 plus 2, that it's going to get substantially better battery life. So this was an area that Apple was already ahead, and now they're ahead by even more by my estimation and looking at this. So I think you put all this together, and it's like the iPhone 7 as a package, if you're looking at the totality of all of the phones on the market, is still... I felt like before it was like top five, like the iPhone 6 and the 6S, like you could make a case that it might be the best in some ways, but no matter what, it was top five. And now with this phone, I would say we're looking at like top two or three. I think the only phones that can match the iPhone 7 across the board when you're looking at the totality of features are the Galaxy S7 and S7 Edge and then the Note 7 when it's batteries and exploding on airplanes. But um what? Yeah, and boy, what a, what a black eye that is. But yeah, overall, I mean, when you look at everything, there's still some areas where they're behind. The screens are not as nice as the Samsung screens. In low light, I think I'm willing to bet that the Samsung camera may still be better, but we'll see it with that 7 Plus camera. But when you look at everything, the overarching picture of the phone in its entirety and what most people use them for, it's a pretty strong product. And I tend to agree. Um... Like I said, there's a, a lot to like, especially for consumers who are waiting for the next version of the iPhone to come out to replace whatever version that they're on right now. Uh, I'm actually hoping to uh, lay hands on one through the workplace to unload my 5S at some point, but yeah, there are a lot of different uh, features that were packed into this phone, which, again, kind of as Sean P has already touched on, are now either the best or near the top, and that puts Apple back in contention for uh, vying with Samsung for the crown of you know best all-around phone that's out there. We've talked in previous pods a little bit about some of the best budget smartphones that are out there. Uh, Sean has recently spent some time, hands-on time actually, with the Honor 8 and the ZTE Axon 7, and we have a review up of the OnePlus 3, all of which are great phones with flagship-style specs that are in the $400 to $500 range, which is a fantastic price point for something like that. Um, the iPhone 7s, the Galaxy S7, and the Note, when it's not exploding, um, are in a completely different class, a class by themselves, quite honestly, that, that no other manufacturer can touch. And these are the two biggest smartphone OEMs in the world, and that's why they put out products that are superior um, with 
with respect to things that most consumers care for. So battery life, great screen, um, speed and, and ease of use, um, now water resistance and dust resistance up to certain points. So all of these things are going to put Apple in a position potentially where um, even though their uh, profits have been falling, they have a product now that looks like it could and probably should be, quite honestly, uh, an almost must upgrade for people with previous two or three generations of their iPhones. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to touch on and talk a little bit more in depth about was the removal of the headphone jack. Uh, Apple is now pushing audio through the lightning port connector in the bottom of the iPhones. This has been available for a little while now, and the, the rumors of the lightning um, ear pods uh, proved to be true as well. Apple also launched a product during the iPhone announcement called AirPods, and these AirPods are basically ear pods, but that have become wireless now. And they come with a snazzy little case that holds multiple charges, and then the AirPods, I think, will run for five hours continuous, and the case will hold another 24 hours worth of charges so you can charge them multiple times. They are specifically designed to work with the iPhone using um, Apple's, I believe it's W1 wireless chip. Now it uses Bluetooth, but the W1 chip is the communications protocol. And so these AirPods will literally not work with any other style of phone. Um, which, you know, uh, Apple's walled garden is what it is. It's not necessarily anything that's new for them. But um, as I mentioned before, they announced during the keynote that um, it took a lot of courage to remove the headphone jack from their product because they knew they were making a change that was going to be controversial. And so they wanted to move, um, they wanted to move the space forward and, and innovate like they have in the past. Um, this seems a little disingenuous when you think about the fact that Apple also owns Beats, the company that is the largest wireless head headphone manufacturer in the world, or largest seller of wireless headphones in the world. Um, and in fact, Beats has announced that they are launching three products that will work specifically with the iPhone, um, the Beats X, and then a version of the Studio Wireless and the Sport um, wireless headphones that are already out there. And these will have the same ability to communicate with Apple's wireless W1 chip protocol. Uh, and when you think about that in its totality, uh, Apple's uh, courage seems a little bit more like a smart business decision when they're taking away something and basically telling you to move to wireless and then going, by the way, we also own a large wireless headphone company in addition to these new wireless headphones we just announced. So uh, that part of it kind of irked me a little bit. It wouldn't be a Sean-related podcast if I didn't find a way to dig at something at Apple, but that was that was something that really just kind of uh, sat in my craw uh, and, and didn't go away for a little while after that. But the phone itself and the, the product uh, that the 7 and 7 Plus are, and I didn't even talk about the cameras, which I think is kind of a, a neat thing. Dual cameras aren't necessarily new. Um, uh, the G5 has dual cameras. The newly released or newly announced V20 
uh, has a dual camera setup that's similar. There are a few other cameras. Uh, I think Huawei's P9 has a dual camera setup as well. So um, dual cameras have been done before, but as with a lot of things, Apple takes something that's already been innovative and then puts their own spin on it and makes it uh, makes it even better for, for the average consumer. So, so okay. As a point of clarification real quick, too, it came out, there was real conflicting information after this was released. It turns out that the earbuds will work with, mm. like, Android devices. They're, they're, they do use Bluetooth, um, but if you use them with an Android device, they'll get worse battery life. The five-hour quoted battery life is just if you're using it with an iPhone 7 because of that W1 chip. So um, just wanted to clarify there. My take on the headphone jack is this. Apple has never been shy about killing old technologies. They killed the floppy drive famously, and I believe the CD-ROM drive as well. And I think there was a case to be made to kill those technologies. I think there was a, a ready alternative where it made sense for them to do it. I still have not heard a great reasoning for the headphone jack. I know I've heard the, oh, it takes up too much space, but I've seen phones that have similar feature sets and are also waterproof and you know thinner or whatever that still have the headphone jack, so that rings real hollow to me. Um, the other thing is this. It's Regardless of how nice of a pair of Bluetooth headphones you get, they are not the equal of a good pair of wired headphones. They just aren't. And the re- the reviews from the Apple event were that the AirPods sound quality were not that good. They're okay. I mean, you know, they're fine, but they're not great. So this is one of those things where I felt I feel like Apple killed it. I don't really know why. I think just to kill it, it's inconvenient to have that port, I guess. And you know, there are the conspiracy theories that they did it because the margins on things like headphones are huge, and they do own Beats, and they can make a ton of money doing this. Um, I don't know if I want to take it there. I'm not sure. I believe that is sole reasoning for doing it, but I, I just I haven't heard a compelling reason. Um, they do give you the nine dollar adapter, so you can for free with your iPhone. So you can use your wired headphones, but you know now you have an adapter that you have to carry around, and that's inconvenient. Um, also, if you want to listen to music and charge, you can't do both with that adapter. The only adapter I've seen that allows you to do both is third party, and it costs something like forty-one dollars. So that's pretty expensive for a basic function type deal. Yeah, I'm kind of out on if I have to buy another forty-one dollar. Uh, we talked about this during the Moto Z thing. Like, if I got to buy a bunch of other stuff that costs money just to make my phone work the way that it probably should, uh, I'm kind of out on that. And I'm inclined to agree on this. I don't quite understand why they do it, why they did it, excuse me. Now, I think maybe as we see future iterations, we're going to see a reason why they did it, something that's a little more obvious at some point. But as of right now, I don't love it. I have a pair of Bluetooth headphones, Jaybird X2s, which are kind of like mid-level Bluetooth headphones, and, and they're fine, but they're... And the sound quality is fine, but it's not as good as a good wired pair of headphones. It's just not. So I don't love this decision. And again, the whole courage reasoning really just kind of leads me to believe that there really isn't a great reason for doing this other than Apple wants to move away from this technology. It's a real bummer for those people out there that have nice headphones. And I wish there was a little bit better reasoning for why they did it. At the end of the day, though... It's not a deal breaker for me, and I don't think it'll be a deal breaker for most people. They're giving you an included set of lightning ear, you know, AirPods, earpods. I guess they're earpods because the AirPods are the other ones. So, and they're giving you the adapter. So, I don't love it, but it is what it is. 
and, it's, and with Apple, that's kind of it's all you get sometimes. That true words probably have never been spoken. Uh, I agree with some of your early assessments. What I heard was the AirPods were basically the AirPods in wireless form, down to everything, including the sound signature and profile. Um, I'm a little bit of an audio snob, I guess. Um, uh, you can read the reviews that I have of a couple of different uh, audio pieces of equipment on SiliconTheory.com if you are interested in my opinions on that. Um, I have the Beats Studio wireless uh, headphones, and I like them a lot. They're um, well tuned for the kind of music that I listen to. They weren't, they aren't exactly what I would call great sounding. Um, in terms of overall sound profile, I have a pair of Vmoda M100 wired cans that I use for that kind of thing. Um, and actually, as a birthday present recently, I got a, a portable DAC and amp, so I'm looking forward to setting that up to, to drive those headphones even further into the uh, sound quality space. But the the fact that Apple's throwing in a couple of goodies, the lightning uh, ear pods and the adapter for free, uh, I think is a good gesture. Uh, I also think that at the price point of these phones, they should darn well be included, but Having said that, um, we haven't really talked about price. Where, what are we looking at for each of the storage options? Because I know that certain colors are not going to be available in the 32 gig storage, right? So only Jet Black is not available in the 32 gig storage. You can only get Jet Black with 128 gig and 256 gig variants. And the pricing is as follows. The 32 gigabyte iPhone 7 is 649. Uh, jumping up to the 128 gig is 749, and then the 256 gig is 849. Uh, the iPhone 7 Plus, 32 gigabytes, is 769. 128 gig is 869, and the 256 gig is 969. I'm sorry, I thought you said $969 for a phone. This is going to sound weird. I don't actually think these prices are completely out of line, and hear me out here. I made fun of Apple for years for being way overpriced, and my reason for that was a couple things. I felt like the total package that you were getting was not, the last couple years, two years in particular, was not competitive with like the Samsung devices of the world. They weren't waterproof, they didn't have SD card slots, they were 16 gig bases, they had screens that were lower resolution and not as good from an objective measurement standpoint. Their cameras were also, while excellent, still not as good. So the last couple years was kind of like, oh, the iPhones are overpriced to me. I felt like there was better value out there in the Android space. Now though, like these prices, this is going to sound crazy, but for top-tier phones, I don't think they're out of line. The 32-gig HTC 10 started at $699, which is more than the iPhone 7 costs. Um, you have the Samsung Galaxy S7, which I believe started at like $699, and the S7 Edge I think was $799. And then you have the Note 7, which I've already kind of taken to task for their pricing, which is $849 on the bottom end, and it can actually escalate up to $880 depending on the carrier. But keep in mind, for your $880, you also do get a personal defense weapon which can be used almost like a hand grenade and thrown at someone if you want to murder them. Sure, and if you get stuck out in the wilderness, it's a way to start a campfire with a quickness. So that's that was really nice of Samsung. They're really going the extra mile with their features these days. True. Um, True. You know, I think, though, as a whole, yes, the prices are expensive. There's no question. But they're not out of line. When you look at this package compared to an HTC 10, or you look at it compared to the Samsung phones, this is why I came away kind of impressed this year. Like, they've bridged the gap to me. The, the areas where they were behind in a lot of ways, they're not behind anymore. It's water resistant. 
that you still are getting the best processor that there is, period. Battery life is going to be probably at or near the top of the class again. That had kind of fallen behind a little bit because these other guys were throwing in much larger capacity batteries, but I feel like they caught up. Um, I don't know if I've already said camera, but the camera is a big deal. I think these are really worthy upgrades and they catch them up with the top of the Android class. The stereo speakers are a nice throw-in. The Samsung phones aren't stereo. They have a really tinny sounding bottom speaker only. So, yes, they're expensive. But all of the top tier phones are expensive, and when you're looking across the model lineup now, I don't think these are that expensive. The Samsung phones in a lot of cases are more expensive. A 128 gig iPhone 7 Plus is $869. A 64 gig Galaxy Note 7 is $850 at a minimum, an $880. It's right in that same area, and it's like, yes, you get an SD card slot, and yes, you get a better screen, and yes, you get the curved screen. There are some things that the Galaxy still do. The Galaxies are IP68, so the water resistance is a little bit better. But to me, it's like, iPhone now, from a price and value proposition, with the increased memory and all these other things we just talked about, I think they're right where they should be in, right near the top of the class. We've argued before that the Note uh, is expensive, but may or may not be worth it, depending on your particular position with wanting and having the best. The iPhone 7 and the 7 Plus are probably worthy of consideration. Again, kind of as you say, if you look at the value proposition and the price point with their competitors, they're right in line. Um, that doesn't mean that they're cheap or that you shouldn't think seriously about spending that much money on a piece of technology, especially in this day and age without carrier subsidies. But you are getting a relatively future-proof phone at that price point where if you're thinking about Apple's refresh cycle, maybe something in the line of three years, that's probably what most consumers are going to want to consider keeping their iPhone for, which is about three years. Um, a lot of Android phones, unfortunately, won't make it that long, but uh, most iPhones, relatively speaking, probably would, and that could make it a much more uh, palatable investment, let's say. And let's not look at it as anything other than it actually is. This is an investment. You are investing in a piece of technology which is with you every day. You use it probably several times an hour, if not even more often than that. And there are a lot of things that your mobile phone has replaced in your life. Tablets being a large one of these things, um, point-and-shoot cameras have mostly gone the way of the Dodo again because of the quality and ease of use of the uh, cameras and smartphone devices. So there are a lot of things that these devices have replaced in our lives and can do for us now. Uh, heck, you could turn it into a portable hotspot and use your computer through it if you needed to at some point. So um, eliminating the need for a mobile hotspot. So the, um, the iPhone... I think I mentioned this on Twitter a little while ago, but um, while the Apple event was a joke, the iPhone 7 isn't. And that's probably um, the general feeling that I came away from with this. While the, the spectacle, the, the smoke and mirrors and lasers and, you know, pew, pew, pew stuff that Apple throws out there um, is, is nothing more than marketing. Their, their phones this time around are pretty well designed. I actually didn't think the presentation was as bad as you make it out to be. I, it's horrific. I, I, it was not horrific. It's it, horrific. Look, all of those events are horrific, and nothing will ever top the horrificness, if you will. I'm going to make that word up if it doesn't exist of the GS5 carnival-esque Broadway show 
debacle. So uh, Apple, no matter what they do, can never top the crappiness of that. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head, though. For me, I think that the iPhone 7 is the strongest value proposition for an iPhone in years, probably since the iPhone like 5 or 5S. I think it's a much stronger value proposition than the 6 and 6S. I think that in the last couple of years, to me, it was still class-leading in a lot of areas. Like, processor, there's no question the iPhone's been the best for as long as I can remember it or remains so. But this year, I felt like they really bridged the gap better camera more storage water resistance and when you look at the you know the overall picture of the phone it doesn't have a lot of weaknesses it's amazingly well-rounded actually i think that in the android space the only phones that are in that same area of being as well-rounded are the samsung phones at this point, those those are the phones that really just stand out. It's like you have the Note 7 and the Galaxy S7 Edge and S7, and you have the iPhone 7. And when you're looking across all of the features that phones bring to the table, those are the they're the best. And I felt like Apple had fallen behind a little bit the last couple of years, and with this announcement in the iPhone 7, I feel like they're right back there where it's like, when I look over everything, I just don't see a lot of weakness. I don't. I know we love to make fun of them, and it's like you know you still have the walled garden approach. That's not our favorite thing. We prefer the openness of Android, and you're never going to get around that with an iPhone. But when you're looking at the hardware, everything that it brings to the table, everything that it does, it's pretty strong. And I think it's the best overall iPhone, which goes without saying, right? It's the newest iPhone, but from like a value proposition standpoint, it may be the best ever. I, I'm. I came away really impressed with what I saw overall. Um, I haven't actually held one yet. I never like to make assumptions until I actually play with the device in person. I've been burned too many times, but when you just look at everything, I I don't know. I feel like it's a very, very, very strong device, and there's a, a strong case to be made that it may be the best overall smartphone as far as features are concerned. Um, for me personally, again, I'd, I'd say really... The Samsungs from this year, the Samsung flagships and the Apple, I think you could make arguments in favor of all of them for certain things, but that's the cream of the crop right now for me. And Apple went from being like, yeah, I think they're one of the best smartphones to like they're in that top range period, and that's it with the Samsung flagships. I, and I tend to agree. I think that there's you could make an argument that it just really depends on what ecosystem you prefer. Uh, if you're an Apple person, um, then you're probably going to get the iPhone 7. If you're an Android person, then you're probably going to get the Galaxy S7 or the S7 Edge. Um, I spent a lot of time with the Galaxy S7 recently, and uh, I find myself uh, envious of some of the things that it contains. That While I love my Nexus 6P, um, it's just a, the Galaxy S7 is just really a great, great device. I almost said little device because it's... 5.1-inch display is a far cry from my 6P's 5.7-inch display, but that size, and some people will argue the the 4.7-inch display of the iPhone 7 um, is kind of the sweet spot for them. I mean, just those, the form, design, and function are all superior in both of those devices to anything that's out on the market right now. So, um, would recommend if you're if you're have an upgrade or if you are interested in um, taking the plunge and spending several hundred dollars on a new device, um, you won't regret it. If you are looking at a situation where you have a choice, um, 
you know the the budget flagships on the Android side are are very compelling, and that's probably a separate podcast. But if you're looking for the cream of the crop, um, it's it's a Galaxy S7 or or the iPhone 7 coming out in about a week, and that's pretty much it. And on that point, real quick before we sign off, I couldn't agree more. I think this has to be on your list of phones to look at if you're looking at upgrading or getting a smartphone. But beyond that, as you just said, it comes out a week after it's announced. Everyone else, every other manufacturer, all of you, Apple's been doing this for years. Get your act together and follow suit. It's so irritating when they announce phones. Like, the LG V20 is coming out. That's a separate discussion. But it literally got announced by LG the day before the iPhone with no release date. We have no clue when it's coming out. Could be a month from now. Could be a year from now. Hell, who knows? But Apple, major credit. The phone's announced the pre-orders the next day, and then it's available a week later. Everyone else, copy. Samsung, you copy everything else. For the love of God, why can't you copy this? Um, Good question. That's the end of my rant. That's and it's as I mean it should end because it's a rant, but that is a good <laughs> question to ask. Uh, Apple is one of the very largest uh, phone manufacturers in the world, and they are able to produce a significant quantity of their phones. Maybe not as many as are wanted to be had, but either way, they can get their phones to market very, very quickly and a finished product. Um, Samsung and you know basically everybody other than OnePlus pretty much uh, needs to take a look at their supply chain manufacturing and say, we got to figure this out because announcing a phone and maybe, not to digress too much, but you know, maybe the V20 from LG is a fantastic phone and there's a lot to like and we'll have some more thoughts on that as it gets announced uh, when a release date will be. Uh, but who cares if it's fantastic or not if you can't buy it? So... Uh, there's a lot of people who've had some hands-on time with it, but this is not a finished product. It's not a phone that's been released to the public yet. So we'll we'll see, and um, hopefully, very hopefully, we will have a chance to spend some hands-on time with an iPhone 7 and get uh, get some some final thoughts on it back to you guys uh, very soon. So anything else on the iPhone 7 before we wrap up? No, I would just say well done, Apple, and uh, yeah, everyone else next year better look out because once Apple moves to OLED screens and some of the other stuff they're doing, it's it's going to be tough. Samsung particularly, that's like one of their big differentiators. Apple's the iPhone 7 is already a fantastic phone, and now next year they're going to move to the better screens and everything else. Everyone else better bring their A game next year because if they don't, it's going to be ugly. But that's good for everybody because competition drives uh, the space forward, and that's what we love about technology. So, as always, uh, you can find all of our musings, both uh, in the written form and the audio form, at silicontheory.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Silicon Theory, in both of those places. And thanks for listening. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and SoundCloud if you'd like what you hear. And we will uh, we'll catch up to you next time. Thanks, guys. Do it again soon. Thanks.